GM, Mr. Pickock. What is going on, sir? Happy Friday. Happy Friday, brother. I don't know, man. I'm uh, I'm on the way to the airport right now. So, you know, I was getting shafted all week at work, but I'm happy it's over with. I was enjoying the green candles today. Honestly, it got me thinking, I don't really play roulette, but I might play some uh, double zeros and some 21 this weekend, you know, for good measure. <laughs> Oh, shoot. So is this a uh, Vegas weekend you've got coming up? Yeah. Uh, Super Bowl's there. So I got a, a buddy who lives off the Strip and a couple other guys that I know were out there uh, this last week. They went out to California like snowboarding for the week. So they oh. just got back last night. So a couple are heading out and then uh, a couple are staying behind. So Have you be- ever been in a city where the Super Bowl is before? Uh, yeah. So actually last year I went to Vegas, same thing for Super Bowl weekend and it was in Arizona and you know, I'm a Philly guy. So the day of the bowl, we just drove out to Phoenix and watched the game out there. We had a couple friends who were going, so we tailgated with them, chilled and just found like a, an outdoor bar kind of like half a mile away from the stadium. You know, if they won, we were going to stay and go out, but you know how that ended. Yeah, no, dude, what I will say is, like, being in the city where the Super Bowl is hosted is an absolute blast, but it is also a definite shit show. I can only imagine what Vegas is going to be like. Like, y'all aren't going to the game game, are you? Nah, nah. Unless I'm cooking at the tables this weekend, probably not. I mean, hey, like, the one thing I'll say toward that is, I think going to the game would be incredible. You know, one of those once-in-a-lifetime type things. But at the same time, it's also such a pain to be able to just get in, get out of the stadium, make that trip, go out of your way for it. Such a time burner versus, you know, I'm sure there are a million, you know, not I'm sure there are a million amazing places to watch in Vegas. that are going to be an incredible time where you don't have to deal with that hassle. Um so, I don't know, man. I, I think just being down there should be a good time. How big of a crew is it that you've got uh, meeting up with you? Uh, it's like six total. So, not too big, but I think it's, I think it's the right size, especially, especially given, like, the group who I'm going out there with. So, I mean, I'm honestly probably going to try and grind some poker tonight. I, I've been, like, dying to play. So I played a little bit last year when I was out there, but not too much because we were kind of moving around a little bit more. But this time, you know, that I get to stay in Vegas the entire time, it should be fine. I respect that, man. Um, I, again, you know, I brought it up enough time in this space is like the one thing that I just don't mess around with it. Actually, I take that back. Like if I'm with a group of buddies, I don't mind playing, right? Like I know my spot at the table. And I know that making a run, you know, like if I make a run to win it all, it is pure luck, right? It is not based on the skill, not based on anything else. So I'm fine with doing that. My issue is in Vegas, though, I like, you know, the times that I went, I remember studying everything with, you know, like, dude, I, I did so much homework ahead of time, right? And I just got like two really, really terrible, terrible bad beats in a row where I was way overconfident with how much I put in there. And I'm like, dude, I'm just not, I'm not doing this again because I gave myself a daily budget back in the day, whenever I did this. 
And I blew through it almost immediately. And then I was just so pissed off. I'm like, I'm not touching anything else. My friends are out there still doing whatever. And I'm just, I don't know, man, that was a big part of why I was like, I'm done with Vegas from here on out, because I know if it's that bad, then whenever I put all that work going into it, I'm like, I'm never going to get to that point where, you know, I like, I understand the luck side of it, understand whatever else kind of understand the fun, but like, I, I just know it's not for me. Um, so I, I respect it though, man. Like going up there should be a, uh, a pretty solid time. How are things up there right now in Philly? Just in general. Um, have you guys been having any snow, having any, uh, any other stuff like that happening recently? Well, looks like we lost him. Um, anyway. If any of y'all want to come up here, feel free to hit that request button. I'll bring you guys up on stage. Um, welcome to the 103rd consecutive episode. I apologize again just for the off timing this week. Had a few things going on earlier this morning. Then whenever I set up the ETA, I messed up again being off by about an hour. Um, but again, had to make sure that I at least got this up and running. It's been an interesting week, honestly, just fun sitting here over the past several days and seeing us reclaim the highs from, you know, that pre, uh, I guess, post ETF, like the launch of the ETF day. Um, and I, I don't know, man, like the most encouraging thing for me looking forward, just looking at the market is just considering where we are right now, how close we are to reclaiming um, Bitcoin's all time high in general at this point pre happening is incredibly bullish. And when you look at all the narratives that are happening around right now, right, whether it be everything with the inscriptions and ordinals on Bitcoin, whether you're looking at um, ETH with a bunch of the different airdrops that we've had recently. And, you know, heck, even the ERC 404 narrative is really interesting to keep track of. Um, you know, heck, I could go on a whole tangent about what's happening with everything there. But, you know, like there are just so many different narratives that are popping up that are all bullish in their own rights, right? Like you have these little mini bull markets that are popping off and I don't want to call them all legitimate bull markets quite yet, right? Because okay. it's one of those things, I think whenever you hit a real bull market, right? You're not just seeing 10, 20, 30% things here and there. You are seeing everything across the board printing that every day for, you know, honestly months on end. Um, and we're not quite there yet you know, across the board. But again, you have these little pockets where things are happening and you have narratives. I mean, heck, even over the past week, right? Like we had the whole Solana crashing narrative or Solana, um, Solana being down narrative again, which we haven't had in a long time. And the funniest thing about Solana being down whenever it does happen is you get so much FUD on the timeline and every single time that it has happened, it has presented this amazing buying opportunity because it has not died. If it didn't die as many times as it happened the last bull market and it continued to print higher highs, it was almost a rule of thumb that it was going to happen again. And we have seen that so far. Um, so it was a little bit reminiscent of the old bull market. 
And it's just fun to see a lot of this stuff start to cycle back in and, you know, start to cycle back in so early as well. Um, all right. So we got a couple new people up here on stage as well. Uh, Mr. Owen, what's going on, sir? Welcome up. Sub man. How you feeling? I'm feeling good, man. I'm feeling good. Um, Dude, I, I thought it was funny the other day how one of those, the gods that came into the arena said that he was the first musician in there and that he was claiming it. Um, I, I don't know if you saw that post or not. Somebody told me about it. Yeah, real ones now. <laughs> I've been out here since uh, day two of the arena. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be hard to take that title from me. It's gonna I, I want to meet him. I, like, I've been very eager to see other people who do what i do in there because you know i mean i like talking shit coins i like talking about jason just as much as any arena user but you know come on a little bit of culture let's go bros you like the music i know man i i, I just wanted to say congratulations on not being alone anymore yeah it's been i've been out here in the wilderness with uh with a shovel and uh and a pickaxe saying hey man let's um you know, like what, what's been interesting to see is the word culture being like as applied to shit coins. And like, it's actually not ironic because that is to a great extent, the culture in this space, like culture coin isn't a misnomer. It's kind of euphemistic, but it's also like trading shit coins is like what DGENs like to do. So they are fucking culture coins. Yeah, you know, it's fair enough. I, I think there are meme coins. There are culture coins, in a sense. There are different things you can go throughout it. But, you know, the average successful meme coin does derive from a successful underlying culture. You know, same type of thing as an NFT, right? Like, if you have a successful culture that is building up surrounding realistically anything in this space... Um, you know, it's necessary cornerstone slash foundation that you have to have to be able to build up anything. So it's fair yeah, enough. You can't spell culture without the word cult, can you? That's, uh, you know, bullish cults has been like the thesis since what? Early summer. I remember what Zoomer Oracle talking about, you know, like the art of longing the cult. And uh, it seems like a very pervasive theory. I see we have Pythonomics in here. Speaking of cults. I wonder if he's going to get up on stage. We'll see, man. We'll see. Um, he did hit that request button. Uh, quickly, though, while he, we're waiting on him to come up, I want to throw it over to Dr. Diablo. Dr. Diablo, welcome back. How are you doing today? Hi. Thank you. I'm, I'm great. I was, um, I'm just uh, wanting, wanting to say hello. And I, I was looking through my wonky songs because, you know, it's the wonky weekly alpha. And I just noticed that tomorrow, it's my uh, wonky stunk birthday. Um, on February uh, 10th of last year, it was the day I bought my first wonky stunk. So, Dude, yeah. no way. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, and uh, I have uh, bought uh, some more after that. But yeah, it's my wonky birthday tomorrow. I, I maybe will have to buy one more. Just for the culture. Let's go. Um, yeah. And um, also, I want to add that um, talking about Bitcoin and uh, all the pumps, I want to, I mean, I say thank you to you because, because you were so bullish. I, I remember 40K 
was a magnet all last year. And uh, now 40K is like a dot in the horizon down there. Bro, yeah, 40K is a magnet now would be a really bearish meme. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I mean, we're so far ahead now that um, it's okay. I mean, even if we go back, it, would, it wouldn't be like too bad. No. But yeah, let's go to 50K now. No, dude, the, the new one's not 50K. The new one's 100K as a magnet. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Yes. Could you have, like, did you, like, see any of this? Is this, like, is this, like, way more bullish than you expected? Like, what, what was your sort of take going into, I don't know, I guess 2024? Yes and no. Okay. So I, I honestly think price wise, as far as just the majors are concerned, not too surprised at all. Right. You know, this is about in line with what I expected at this phase of the market. I think what is a little bit more surprising from what I would have assumed two years ago. Right. Like 2022, when the last bear market was kicking off again, Bitcoin, ETH, some of those majors about where I expected. But the thing that I didn't expect as much was the strength in the the side narratives, right? Like all the side quests that are going on where you've got so much independent growth within each ecosystem and not just within each ecosystem, but like individual metas that are popping up as well, right? Whether we have had like the mini SoFi bull market and whether we've had like, you know, some of the NFT stuff that's starting to come back and, you know, a bunch of the different airdrop meta that we've had recently. I mean, heck, even some of the the L1s and stuff that have started to pop off recently where you're looking at, um, you know, like, say, for instance, what's happening with it, where you're starting to see a bunch of the growth within these individual ecosystems and that you actually have enough users to be able to support some of that growth this early. Right. Because a big difference between now and like four years ago, you just didn't have the mass of people. And, you know, along with the mass of people, the total capital to be able to support so much individual ecosystem growth. Um, so, you know, really, really bullish about some of the different tech developments that we've had over the course of the past. I mean, heck, even on the Bitcoin side. Right. Like, you know, I haven't been this bullish on Bitcoin in a long time. You know, a big part of it does deal with the inscriptions ordinals narrative right where you right now are actually having bitcoin being developed as a true l1 which really has not been a big i mean it hasn't been a narrative at all over the past several years bitcoin has just been you know like secure scarce um and that's been its primary go-to right like just this digital gold whereas now you're saying it's not just digital gold it is a potential new layer to be able to build on top of. Um, and, you know, again, pros and cons for the way that it's being built on right now. But overall, like, it's all a pro as far as the development and the narrative for Bitcoin as a whole, because it's increased use, increased fees. And a big question that we've had for a long time is, how is Bitcoin going to be able to survive and be profitable for miners in its current setup with the proof of work consensus mechanism. Um, whenever the, the having continues to decrease at the rate that it has. Right. And we finally starting to see some answers for that narrative. 
So a lot of really, really cool things that have popped up despite all the FUD and kind of that long drawn out liquidation cascade we've had. Um, you know, again, biggest surprise for me is just like all of these side quest narratives that have kept everybody busy and entertained throughout the bear market. Um, so I don't know, hopefully that answers your question. I'm curious though, Owen, you, you said you started in the crypto space. What it was it the middle of last bull market or did you come around a little bit? Earlier? No, the, the, like about two months before the Pico top. I actually came on, I, I like very briefly jumped on ETH. Then I came on to Avalanche, like right when it was when time was like retracing from its all time high, uh, time wonderland. So I got rugged on all those AVAX joints. I actually made some money in some of them. I, I didn't do too badly, all things being equal. Um, and I didn't hold down, you know, 99% like so many did, but, um, yeah, I came like sort of near the top and then started doing some like biz dev work in the space um, and jumping around, did some stuff on Phantom and was sort of like, you know, trying to figure out how all this shit worked, trying to understand like how liquidity moved, which like, I don't know, there there was like, there was a lot to learn from those low liquidity conditions because for instance, if you have like, multiple low liquidity pairs on different DEXs and you send a transaction through one, you can see like in real time, all of the sort of chain of events that happen uh, as a result of your transaction. You push this transaction because the liquidity is low, the price moves, you see all these ARB bots and MEV bots coming in to, you know, uh, you know, make the prices efficient between different pairs. So like, I, I wasn't really like, making that much money in the market but it was sort of a good time to just like kind of fuck around and find out because um it was a lot less expensive to to do so because there was no attention there like there was no hope um so i wasn't like really trying to take big swings no, that's awesome man so like i i think it, that's the key thing though is the fact the majority of the experimentation and the growth that you had sounds like it was all just messing around on chain, right? Where you were active, you were going through these pools, getting that experience. And that's a huge thing, right? Like um, having that at this point, but um, and also I, I am curious, what was your, your mindset as it started to enter more of this bear market period that we've been in? Where the prices weren't going up anymore, what was it that got you to stick around? Uh, mental illness? I don't know. Um, well, like, it, it it isn't absent from the context in my life, which was I had, you know, I had my own band. We were doing 200 plus shows a year on the East Coast and then COVID. And that sent my band to zero, basically. Like, their live music was canceled in Boston, where I lived at the time, so... I moved to L.A. I was trying to figure out what the fuck to do. Uh, but out in Los Angeles, everything was closed, too. At that point, there wasn't, you know, everything was still restricted. So the ability to, like, network and do the stuff they had come out here to do was pretty limited. I was mostly just doing virtual stuff like, uh, yeah, mixing, producing, writing for for other people, but um, couldn't really do the IRL stuff. So I think, like, part of it was I was bored. And, like, I was a gamer growing up, too. Like, I loved RPGs. I played WoW. I, you know, like, there was a lot 
to like for me in sort of trying to understand how this stuff works and and like how I might be better at playing this game um, because I had sort of I understood at least from what people had told me and from the history that like these things do go in boom and bust cycles and there will be a point when it comes back and I don't want to just sort of like I don't want to be the guy who came in at the top lost money and then like just get surprised by the thing being back in the future. I was like, okay, I lost some money. I paid these tuition fees. Like, let me figure out how I can do a better job understanding this stuff, figuring out how the tech works, how people in this space think, um, and sort of figure out what an avenue for me looks like. And I mean, I had actually come in initially because of all of these hype stories of musicians and other artists who, who are like killing it, um, like on the NFT side. And then, slowly coming to realize how much of that was kind of fugazi um but have been since then sort of figuring out how to apply that skill set in this space and you know how to do music in a way that engages with the space but isn't like you know griftery um which i'm still you know trying to figure that shit out Yeah, you know, I, I think that's one of the struggles, though, is that as long as you're in this space, you're always trying to figure that out, right? And whether you are a small account or a large account, it can be tough, right? Because, you know, regardless of your position, it's really easy to sit there. And, you know, again, whether it's somebody that you trust following into a narrative, it, it's difficult to tell who you can trust, regardless of what side of the coin that you're on. Yeah, I what I realized, like, I, I listen to some people, but even in the cases where I'm listening to people who are smart, do have good takes on the market, like, I still end up getting wrecked if I do that, because at least for me, I don't know if this is true for other people, but like, I, I don't believe there's any way for me to successfully trade somebody else's book. Like, I can only trade my own convictions. I can't really like, I can't really just like hear some take somebody else has and then like do it because then I'll get shaken out by something because I won't understand why I'm in the position in the first place. No, but, I... Like, I know like other people have different strategies. I, I've never done like much in the way of sex, like on sex trading or like leverage trading. I've always just been sort of like quote unquote in the trenches, like trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. So Dude, if I'm being honest, though, I think here's the deal like as far as the sex trading goes i think you have a higher percentage of people that are more successful that are in the trenches versus trading on sexes like just honestly and you know just from personal experience the thing that like trading on a sex obviously you need fiat onboarding ramps and you need there's some real advantages to it just as far as the liquidity ease of access on and off. Um, you know, there are some more intuitive things as far as the security, but you have to be able to trust the exchange in the first place, as we saw with FTX. Right. Um, so, you know, there are some definite pros to using it, but I think overall, you know, the average DGEN has a higher chance, a higher likelihood. You also have a much higher competitive sphere trading on a sex versus trading on chain i think that you have a lot higher percentage chance of just stumbling upon something that pulls off a random 100x that you know you're not going to get by the time something is listed on a sex like it's already done that 
So well, I what I kind of realized is on chain, like if you're a curious person and you're willing to sort of like dig through block explorers, it, it's way easier to cultivate edge because so much of the information is public. You can like figure out or at, at least sort of like build a thesis of what your I don't know your opponent's strategies are just by looking at their transactions and how other people are, you know, painting the chart or whatever the fuck they're doing. Like you can, at least for me, I found that it was easier to sort of build some models for how to, how to approach risk. Um, I also learned how much of a crock of shit efficient markets theory is because there's so many inefficiencies, like with the, like how many chains there are, low liquidity setups, like arbitrages between, you know, different chains, things like that. Um, you know, there were all sorts of opportunities in there, but, you know, granted that was that sort of the way that cuts against you is like the shit you don't know, like the, like when multi-chain for instance, got rugged and like, I was sort of, I, I, I didn't have a heads up, but it, I had noticed a lot of sketchy shit going on there. And so I had pulled all of my wrap tokens from that, but it's like, the thing about on chain is what you don't know can get you killed. Um, although, I mean, look at FTX, that's true there too. So, and, and that's what I brought up, uh, like as far as the security side from a sex versus, you know, doing other stuff on chain intuitively, as long as you can trust the exchange, which again, obviously with FTX saw, there's still a lot of risk there. You know, I, I think if you can trust it, then there's less likelihood that you're just going to get completely drained like what you might do with one accidental click doing stuff on chain so you know again pros and cons but like you've got to be in the trenches to be able to learn that stuff and have the opportunity in the first place um yeah sex is also snitches as soon as you connect to your snet or your sex you're doxing all your wallets you connect to that um Maybe not to, you know, the entire community, but at least to the government. Yeah, you know, and that's one thing that we've seen, too. The average, you know, you trade off, (laughs) you trade off security for doxing is really what it comes down to. The higher trusted exchanges are going to be the ones that make you KYC. There's still a couple out there that won't make you KYC. Um, but the thing is they just do that as a growth strategy and then they hope and pray that they're far down enough on the list that by the time they grow to critical capacity and they start implementing KYC across the board, that there are other bigger exchanges that did that before them that are going to be targeted first. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's one of the things too, that would like versus old cycles, you know, sex on an old cycle, like there were a lot of other pros for being able to go through that. I mean, like, let's be honest, there were people that just washed whatever through it. Right. Um, and you don't have that as clearly anymore without having that, you know, the doxing implementation with it. So it's getting more and more difficult to be completely anon, um, on chain. So, yeah. Well, you know, and it like, seems that what's interesting about that to me is like, just like with the arena, like it's not, the arena wasn't first to this idea. I know optimism, um, there a lot of their use cases and theses are based around the idea of on-chain identity. And although that can be sort of 
what pseudonymous student how the fuck do you say that word um you know what i mean uh like it seems to be yeah yeah but it seems to be kind of like in opposition to the idea of anonymity because they're asking they're like tracking more and more data getting more and more data and those things are useful to a lot of like for me like i'm docs i'm trying to do like build a business which is related to this space so i don't i don't really give a fuck like facebook instagram all these companies already have my user data it's not like i'm risking anything additional there but like a lot of i think there's a bit of like a, a clash of ideals or a clash of like values that is like coming or will be coming to a head based on like is crypto supposed to be self-sovereign and anonymous and you know hiding from the government is it sort of an instrument of better efficiency and data tracking and you know like all of these things can be true at once that's going to be a huge point this next cycle i guarantee you because again as quiet as things have been right now we've still had a decent amount of crypto regulation that's been pushed through over the course of the past year um whenever things are blowing up again over the next couple years it's going to be huge again right and where that really is going to come into play is whenever you do see a little bit more of a push for some of these central, you know, the CBDCs, which, you know, whether that comes in the next few years or whether it comes in the next 10 years, that type of stuff is coming, right? Like, I still believe one way or the other, that is going to be implemented in the future of a lot of different countries. Like, it just makes the most sense as far as efficiency and control for the average government. I mean, again, whenever you look at it right now, like think about how much counterfeit currency there is out there in the world that's solved with CBDCs. Obviously, there are some other risk vectors that come along with that. But, um, you know, like there's just so much more power and control that goes back into the hands of the government with that. It's one of those things where you trade off as an individual as that happens there's also more efficiencies for you, but you trade off freedom for efficiencies. So then whenever you have these currencies like Bitcoin, you know, like all of these other independent chains that are out there, it does, in a sense, become a little bit of a threat to what is trying to be pushed as far as the CBDC narrative as well. So there is a conflict of interest there. Um and I, I really think that's where you start to get into the big value proposition of crypto as a whole. But it's also where you start to get into the huge narrative of, you know, what will be allowed, what won't be allowed, where we're going to have more attacks left and right. And it's just a natural progression of the growth that is going to happen in this industry is it starts to be not just, you know, a trillion dollars, but, you know, tens of trillions of dollars down the road. Um Rooster, what's up, man? Man, it could be the dab I just took or, you know, I don't know. But this sounds like a bunch of bear market talk uh, to me, in my opinion. I'm, I'm trying to be bullish right now. Uh, I'm trying to be up here circle jerking DYM and now a uh, wormhole that's coming and, you know, being up today. Uh, yeah. Don't mean to derail the conversation, but I'm trying to get bullish here. Oh, it's fine. Dude, a lot of the stuff I'm bringing up, like, hey, if it sounds bearish, it's bullish, right? These are all reasons for why there's so much growth to be had in this industry over the course of the next several years. <laughs> yeah, but, but I don't I agree, wanna... man. Like, hey, the, the Demi, congratulations on that to everybody that claimed their Demi. 
Um, have you sold it, staked it? What, what, what's your game plan with it? Um, right now we're in the market to not dump your free money. I mean, it, I, I just could be super left curving everything and I just end up with a bunch of worthless magic internet points and all my money's gone. Um, that could happen possibly. Is that where I'm putting my money? No, I'm, I'm doing exactly that. I'm staking all my, uh, my internet money for magic internet points. I haven't, I, I haven't touched blur dude. I haven't even looked at blur's price since it dropped i just <clears throat> let it stake and get i don't know how many millions of fake blur points i have right now but it gives me a chub um yeah no we're in the season to farm everything don't no need i mean unless you absolutely die or need to take profits right now i mean sure you skim a little bit off the top if you want to but like unless you know, it's life or death. Like you're not going to have a roof over your head. If you take profits, fucking let that shit ride and farm as much as you can. I'm with it, man. I, I agree. Right. Like, because considering where we are in the cycle, the one thing I'll say though, rooster toward that is, you know, for instance, in 2020, right. It was an obvious no brainer that, the crypto ecosystem as a whole was going to continue to push higher and we were going to continue to print. And we did over the next two years. Right. But what was the hottest thing in the summer of 2020 before everything else took off? It was the DeFi narrative, right? Where DeFi was just printing left and right. You had all these big names that were just going off. Well, and, you know, Link also, right, where, you know, you're talking about Link, the on-chain Oracle narrative. I mean, you could go with the pandemic. <laughs> um, and what ended up happening, a lot of those never ended up reclaiming those highs. They kind of fizzled out as other narratives took control. So I do think there's something to be said, though, whenever you're playing with some of these alts that, you know, hey, as you're getting these winners it's not a bad idea to take some off, not necessarily from the sake of you're saying, hey, I'm going to put it back in my bank account. I'm going to be like, I just think that it's good as you're getting winners to be able to, you know, start to take some off to be able to rebalance your portfolio, have some capital to stick to those new narratives that end up popping up as they do. Oh, yeah. I mean, I definitely agree. Always, you know, take a little bit off the top, even if it's not your uh, complete initial just to stay liquid like nah i ended up completely missing this whole erc 404 narrative um well, just I mean, but you have to ask like right now hey it's been a week right <laughs> like you have to ask yourself a week into inscriptions a year ago did people miss it like you know yeah. and like nobody knows what like what comes from that yet like people have all sorts of ideas of how that gets used but like the sort of creativity around implementing it into other protocols like, like that's gonna blow it up and who knows it, it'll like they're i'm sure the first mover will do well no um, yeah but see see that's the thing is right here after being where we are in a week right Everything that's coming out new, you're gambling on, and 98% are scams, right? Other than the OG one, right? But then that's up. I don't even know how many X's. I think last time Pandora. I checked, it was like $36,000. Um, 
for I've one of the Pandora boxes. Like I remember reading people say like bet on the win or not on the sort of like derivatives. And yeah, I, I mean, like, if you have thirty six thousand dollars to go, you know, scoop up a week old Pandora box, like by all means, do you know, do with what you please. But I, at this point, where the ERC four hundred four is, it's hard to allocate in anything. If you're trying to go for something new, you're gambling, and you're ninety eight percent likely to buy a rug, or you know, you're likely becoming exit liquidity. Hey, um, here, here's the deal though with the ERC four hundred fours. You know, it's it's super exciting. Some of the stuff that can come from it, I still don't fully comprehend everything as far as the standard is concerned. But the thing that I find a little bit funny is, you know, it's like the entire standard is experimental and unaudited. It's not an official um, EIP yet, right? Like, it's not. Dude, it started as a rise. It, it so, point being, like, when I read something like that, it easily could be, right? When you read something is completely unaudited and it's experimental and it's unproven and yep. be careful, it's like, how, the way I interpret it is, how long until somebody finds a way to be like, oh, shoot, guess what? There was one little flaw in the logic here and now all of your tokens are mine. Now it's gone. Um, so, <laughs> that's the one thing but it's also why there's so much potential upside with it because say that it you know there aren't issues and it does stick around and it does continue to grow it kind of begs the question you know the way i'm looking at it i mean erc 404s just seem like such a i i i, I Again, it's tough for me to talk on it because I don't fully understand it, but it's just, it makes more sense as a standard than the 720 um, for NFTs as far as just being able to more easily fractionalize. But at the same time, it doesn't because, you know, depending on percent, I don't know. There, there are a lot of things I'm still reading and looking into with it, but that's what makes it exciting, man, is the fact that nobody else really does have a full full grasp on it as much as people are trying right now. You know what? I faded it literally because it was ERC 404, like a 404 error. And I was like, this feels like a troll that's going to run. Like that's, I mid-curved that shit hard. <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't fade it. I just, I just completely fucking missed it, uh, to be honest. Um, when it dropped, and then I thought I'd be exit liquidity since like eight thousand. So, bro, to be honest, like same type of thing right now happening with Farcaster and these frames and everything else. I I completely missed everything with that popping up. I still don't fully understand exactly what's happening with that, bro. But I don't either. I, what I the created, fuck is a Farcaster? Well, here's the deal, too. I created a Farcaster account. I I can't get more than eight followers on that. Like, and I see all these random people blowing up. I'm like, how does that thing even work? Right? Like, I I don't think, I think one of the things with Farcaster that they're trying to differentiate with, I don't think you have individual tickets or keys for individuals. Am I right or wrong on that? If you do, I don't know how to buy keys or whatever else for people. I think it's just the fact they're trying to build a network where their profit venue is... Well, you pay for storage space. You're going to pay us X amount for this storage space. 
and then you the warp narrative warp are like coins and points but they're also not like coins and points i think there are an infinite amount of warps but you can't really trade them but you kind of can um well, I would think the monetization for the platform like that, and even for like the arena long term, even though right now their profit model is completely based on buying and selling tickets. But if these platforms are able to scale, their profit mechanism is going to be the same as any other social, which is like data collection, aggregation, advertising, stuff like that. Dude, I mean, and, you know, this, this is probably middle bell as fuck, but. In my opinion, most, if not all, of the current state of SocialFi, and this, this is pre-Arena Takeover, I'm speaking because I have no idea what's going on uh, with the Arena. But they're all grifts. <laughs> they were all 100% like profit maximization, you know, started by Frentech because that just printed unimaginable numbers right which is why everybody started making derivatives of them and they're really setting the precedent especially with you know what they're going to end up airdropping right like how much is actually coming back to the community because that's what brought them to the platform in the first place and the farther it seems like the newer ones are going farther and farther away from community rewards and going back into profit maximization not saying that there isn't going to be a newer and better version and someone to execute properly. There is a well, there is a place for SocialFi in the market. Um, I just in the current state, I think all of them are gris. So here's my my take on it. I think that it it has a place one because if it had a place during the bear market and you know it was as ex- successful as it was with a limited pool of people that were here, it just makes sense. We're going to see a resurgence. Um, sometime throughout the bull market. Now, the question that you have to ask yourself then is when this resurgence happens, how do these platforms potentially shift from being, you know, taken as a grift to taking as something that's actually value add? I do think some of the things that Farcaster is doing with the whole frames as far as being able to implement app native um, games is, and, and, you know, being able to just launch NFTs is cool. Like when I look at, you know, the arena, I think that that would be an amazing integration also where it's like work with the hyperspace team to be able to figure out how to just natively, you know, launch some type of NFT from the platform itself. Right. And I have to assume how, they're gonna it's do not that. just fully because if it's fully, fully, fully just about buying and selling shares of tickets or keys or whatever the heck it is, you're right. That narrative by itself with nothing else there isn't sustainable, right? Um, I think that it's got to have a deeper level of integration with some of these other, you know, real applications for communities in there, whether it be, you know, right now where there are like these badges that the arena is doing where, you know, verifiable proof of some type of, you know, some type of community that's integrated with it where you now have everybody's wallet that is directly attached to their identity. There's some real benefits to that as far as just natively being able to go out there and say, Hey, I want to target X community with whatever airdrop this is, whatever, 
you know, whatever project that I have, I want to get them involved, being able to automatically whitelist it. Like, I think that's where some of the real benefits come into play is being able to, you know, have these social flexes that are natively integrated into something that can lead to some type of reward mechanism. So I think that's where it's heading. Um, just, it's a matter of how it's built out and executed whenever things roll around. But I, I'm, I'm confident, fairly confident that as we start to see some of these tokens that are actually dropped to people, it'll lead to some type of boost back in these platforms. And the real question is at that point, will they be sophisticated enough to be able to continue to captivate whatever user's attention? Yeah. I just wanted to say, I think like one of the, one of the things I've been thinking about a lot, like kind of since the beginning, because I, I, I got on the arena and was like totally the mark there. I drank the Kool-Aid super hard and got super wrecked because of it, um, which I've dusted myself off since then, but it was bad. Uh, but like discovery seems to be the key differentiator. Like I look at Farcaster and how they have the channels organized and that feels kind of like reminiscent of Reddit in a way like this could be a way of handling discovery and organizing groups around topics and you know like ideas um or you know like and having those nft integrations built there are sort of like monetization streams available to people who have built up a successful network or you know their own sort of community their own network within that ecosystem and then the arena has its own sort of discovery mechanism which is right now chronological but i have to assume over time that you know they implement some different shit there um like like that, that seems to me the key differentiator between kind of all of these platforms. It's not like you, you have a lot of the same tools uh, on Twitter that you have on Facebook, um, that you have on Instagram. Like you can post photos on Twitter. You, you know, it's just how it's displayed and how discovery is handled. Um, that sort of differentiates why you would use one app over another. Um, so like is Farcaster trying to be Reddit? Is there going to be another platform which is going to be like an on-chain Discord? Like, how how are these? How are they organizing around the uses um, and like the kinds of things that users want from them? Yeah, I, I don't know. There are a lot of questions to be answered. Um, but again, the one thing that I'm confident on is that this entire community of people that are active in the crypto space are all autistic and degenerate and there's going to be another there's going to be another wave of it right like it's just it's gonna happen right like again just a matter of what that looks like at the time that it does happen but it's really easy to just to look at you know, again, what is the key thing that's driving a lot of the narrative and the conversations on these platforms that are successful right now? You know, the two answers to that, it's either NFTs, like, and the dApps that are coming along with it with Farcaster. I mean, heck, or in the arena, it's like, you know, the community coins um, where everybody's on there. What do you see on the primary feed? It's people talking about like Pythonomics No Chill or, you know, the GERS or, 
cock or whatever the heck else it is. It's become just this forum to be able to talk about that side of the degeneracy. So, you know, again, it's, it's, kind it's of for style. airdrops. Like even no chill was, uh, was an airdrop. It's airdrop season. That's why people are on these social platforms is because of a promise of airdrops. Like it, farm the fucking airdrops <laughs> like it is like that that's, bro and that's it, that's really it. i even posted about that today in there i'm like dude you, like there's got to be something out there sometime soon like how in the world have zero of these sofi platforms that have popped up put out anything about what points could mean by now it's been like how many months nearly six months bro and, give me my damn f friend like, text stimmy like well, they they, and you heard how yeah. you heard how far Frentex pushing it back now. They basically they were supposed to be over by like literally now. And no, they, they, like, they announced the last ten percent that we were going to give out. We're going to extend. We're going to save that bucket of those ten percent of tokens or points. And now that's going to be over distributed over a season two. And it's like, dude, what? That's that's the stupid. That's literally what Blur almost shot themselves in the foot with during season two, and they bled their token out because they delay deliver the fucking money. That's what people want. If you say you're gonna do something, just do it, and then people will flood in and they will give you a fuckload of money. Amen. Like, Rooster, like I can. God, I, I, send me my Rooster. stimmies. Rooster, you want your stimmy, right? I, I've got a shortcut to get you your friend text to me right here, right now. You can do it live if you want. Dude, are you going to animate like to my panda as well? No, what, what would you like to hear it? I mean, only if you're going to animate my panda with it. Uh, no, I'm, I'm not touching the animation side of things. Sorry. <laughs> but here's what you do. If you want your friend text to me right now, first of all, this is not financial advice. You know, it's just fucking around finding out. Go find on deck screener, the nearest honeypot, and dump your money in there. That's your stimmy. You're going to get nothing from Frentech. You will get nothing from Frentech. Those points are worthless. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't, you know, I dabbled in it. tried to, you know, clicked a few buttons, got the farm, however much they give me. I mean, th this Bro, is really here's the deal. Like, Again, it comes down to like, whoever drops it first is the winner. And that's you not because there are all these people that have farmed points across the board right now. And like, whoever drops a token first is going to bring all these users back because it's like everybody put in this work back in the day and they've kind of just forgotten about it because it feels like a dog chasing its tail. So whoever drops a token first is going to get a huge influx of user. And I think there really is an advantage to being a first mover in this space. So Dude, we are in an interact like this, to earn that. economy, right? They, this, this is what they deliver the money. The people will come it, and it depends on how much money you give is how much time and effort will be put back into it. Right. Like everybody who got these badass dimension stimmies. Right. I have no, I had no idea what dimension was even by the time I claimed this thing. I barely have any idea of what it does now, but guess what? I started using their platform and I guarantee you when more, they sent me like, you know, eight and a half thousand dollars on the stimmy. Like uh, as soon as they start coming out with more stuff, I'm going to start interacting with the more stuff that they're doing. Send out the money and the people will come. How, when was yeah. the last time you purchased 
an NFT on OpenSea? Like anybody on the panel, when was the last time you purchased an NFT on OpenSea? I use OpenSea just to view NFTs. It's okay, I, that's not, I, I didn't <laughs> ask about viewing them. I said, when was the last time you purchased an NFT through it, uh, OpenSea? Uh, you know, Rooster, I think you hit the mark uh, several times. It, money motivates movement, man. I mean, that's what it is. And and also, there's a there's a cool side of tech, you know, exploration, experimentation, um, with all this stuff as well, too. But mark my word, the day, you know, X allows us to uh, interact with the blockchain, I mean, all that shit is going anyway. Hear me I don't out, know bro. if they're ever going to get that, that deep into it with X, though, man, because it gets to be super, super complicated as far as, I think whenever X does get to that point, Matt, it's going to be, they're going to act almost more of a sex than they will some type of decks right so it, it just gets really really tricky as you start to have real wallets and whatever else that you can do anything on chain with i'm i i, I think it's going to be more of a sex type of situation kaleo you need to tweet first sofi platform to send out the airdrop will get all of my attention it's already done though i feel like a that. sofi airdrop i, I feel like everybody's said that Oh, what, you hear me oh, out. Man, I mean, I mean, maybe I, I really don't pay attention to, like the the. I'm not paying attention to SoFi right now. Um, personally, there's just way too many things going on. Uh, so maybe I maybe I just missed it. But so people no. with influence need to pressure these platforms to send out the stimmies. Hey, I, that's why I put out a post today, man. I mean, just a little little nudge every here and there, I think, is what, what helps. Like, I really do like the way I, I just enjoy. I think why I, I still get on the arena is because I enjoy the, the people that are there, you know, still. It's kind of like almost having a burner account, if that makes any sense, where I can get on and I can basically say whatever I want because it's not this huge whatever platform so I can say whatever the heck I want in there, be a complete degenerate, have fun with it. Um, and, and I do like the way they've kind of turned things around. So I think that if like I, I'm riding the horse that if there's a chance that this narrative recycles and goes back, I like the way that this team is stuck through the whole shitstorm that they have and that they're still building. So it's more just betting on a team than it is anything else at this point. Um, you know, kind of like the, the NFT narrative, the whatever else betting on people, I think is a big, big part of it. So I, that's kind of where I am just kind of blindly trusting. I, I, I have a lot of ideas that I think would get it there, but I think that they're doing things right and slowly, but until then it's kind of just this burner DJ account that I'm, you know, able to talk about whatever with. Yeah, you know, maybe I've just had a bad taste in my mouth ever since I had 200 AVAX on there and got 74 points um, on the first distribution and uh, pretty much made me uh, rage quit the whole app. And then not only that, and then I didn't get another distribution even after holding through being rugged and then being unrugged. And then I still didn't get any more points. I don't think TVL is weighted super high. I think it's trade volume and in-app activity, just like from what I've seen, like friend tech seem to weight TVL very highly. I don't think they're doing it nearly as much, like there's much less of a multiplier 
uh, yeah, well, I mean, there was a minimum of 200 AVAX traded and, you know, I, at the time I was being active. Well, I, 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 I could just be salty. That's what I'm saying. What, what makes everybody salty? People that have stuck around, it's like across any of these platforms, Rooster, like, it's just that everybody's sitting there wondering, okay, you know, they did this initially for X yield and it was all theoretical based on what points could be worth, but it's been this long and nobody has any idea what points really mean. It's just time, right? Like it's time. If you want people to invest in any of these, you have to have some type of clue of what you're farming, right? Like, so for any yield narrative, any yield, yield narrative. I think like, what I would guess is the angle for like, for instance, the arena is if they can drive more user engagement, activity, TVL volume, all of these things, they can, I mean, I don't know what kind of funding seed round, whatever talks are going on. I have no sort of inside uh, track there, but like the more interest and activity they can generate before those talks happen, the higher valuation they can raise at and that, you know, that might be something that prevents them from releasing information early because they think maybe they can juice these things and that will create a larger airdrop, which will then flywheel into a bigger influx of capital and lead to higher valuations that subsequent raise it. Like there's a bit of game theory to their approach as well, I would think. Also, just hear me out, bros. New meta, ERC 20 points. We can call them tokens. Wait, you said ERC twenty points? Yes, we'll call them tokens. Okay, <laughs> like I was gonna say ERC twenty points, like literally a token. Yes, the new meta, like actually yes. giving a token, is the new meta. <laughs> um, I love that man. Um, yeah, because the funniest thing is, I like out of all these platforms, the highest airdrop that I can really think of that's happened to any user on any of these platforms is Pythonomics. Where everybody's go. gotten like 500 bucks. Like everybody that stuck around got like a $500 stimmy right now from that, which is at least something. Um, and I stick them too, and I'm farming Python's next drop. There's no next drop. You said farming is next drop. That's news to me. What more do you want? No, I was just fucking around playing playing into the farming meta. Uh, but anyways, speaking of which, wormholes uh, I think is about to be dropping soon. Just found out lads got an allocation on that one as well. Uh, so shout out to lads getting me the demi check and the dub. Um, keep them coming. Um, just one more. Do you have to do anything to get the mad lads claim? Uh, you had to previously when they told you to in December. Go into the wormhole Discord and verify your lad. Ah, dang it. Okay, thanks. Yeah, I, I didn't think I did that either. And then I checked the Discord, and apparently I did do it. So, uh, pat, uh, got to pat my uh, Super Stone previous self on the back for taking care of that. So, all, all I'm hearing is the next Wonky Stonks meetup, all the drinks are on you. No, see, it's not actually real money. Like I was saying about 20 minutes ago, it's all locked up farming magical internet points. So, sure, if I can pay in that, in my blur points, sure. First bar to accept points is like collateral for drinks. That's that's a fucking banger right there. 
Speaking of uh, meetups, uh, <clears throat> get on the ball. <clears throat> I think he's already confirmed, but also we're not trying to location docs too many times on spaces. Thank you, Father. I just wanted to say, I don't know if I told you this, Kaleo, I got pulled into like a meeting of this social fi app that's launching on uh, a dog shit L2 chain, which I will not mention. Um, but the, one of the key feature sets they were introducing was the ability to short people, um, which I thought is like at once both brilliant and so fucking evil. Are you talking about, wait, one of the new, the new SoFi things that's popping up is shorting on people? It's not live yet. I went. No, I, yeah, I've heard about it. I've heard about it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It is interesting. Um, I was like, who's the counterparty there? Like, you could really like manipulate that so hard to short yourself and then just like say something something terrible, way out of pocket. Like, like Pigeon and, uh, and Ansem's banter last night. Like, if they were to make an account let it run up and then short themselves and then start that banter. I think all tweets are deleted now. Uh, hilarious though. Um, <laughs> then yeah, that's, that's like free, free infinite money. Yeah. A platform would never work. All the they'll generate a lot of pain and like they'll explode and generate a bunch of fees, um, off their users though. Probably. No, it'll look like every other social fi chart, a pump dump, like every other shit coin chart, pump dump. Like it, it all follows the same shit. So cynical, Rooster. Yeah, this time Rooster's is different, bro. This time is different. Yeah. Yeah, it could be on one, dude. I just got fucking destroyed by this person in this crypto game uh what crypto so. game is that it's the the rainy game the what is it lords of lords of light dude you know okay that's actually, that's actually something really i thought really about fun. for narrative you know create some really simple crypto game and have the tokenomics be similar to dogecoin where dogecoin is just an infinite print of x amount of dogecoin per day right so theoretically, though, by it being this linear print, it kind of does cycle down as far as just the percentage. Like there's a curve to where it curves off and eventually it becomes more and more negligible as far as what you're doing. So you put this game out there. It's got an infinite print. And at the end of each day, whatever the points are that are calculated, are then drawn back and you get a percentage of whatever that pool is. So, you know, and then you can go back and claim like that claim period is once a day after. So it would have to be on a relatively, you know, some type of L2 or, you know, soul type of network where it's relatively cheap to then go and claim those tokens. Um, But yeah, you just do that infinitely. And is it worth anything? Here's where it starts to get Ponzi-nomic-esque, right? You can then go in there and you just have the casino type games where it's peer-to-peer and the platform, you know, whether it just be flip a coin and bet on one side or the other, or whether it's whatever, you just have these super, super simple games. Um, And the platform takes like 0.1 or 0.5% of whatever the fees are that are from that. 
you know, something almost negligible, but enough that in mass and in volume does add up. So what does it do? It just basically provides this incentivized infinite Ponzi where by participating, you get expert and, you know, again, all about early participation. And is it an infinite Ponzi from the fact that it continues to print? Yes. But in the same sense of Doge, where the mechanics of the amount that are being printed each day don't differ, right? So I don't know if that makes any sense. Nah, dude, dude, I got you. Because, okay, so we have Python in here, which is what's well, probably the only dev um, in the space. <laughs> so we'll be using him. And we'll be using no chill uh, as the token. Yeah, the, the dev to consumer ratio in these spaces is, is always extremely lacking. It has to be picked up. Uh, but anyways, we can't make, do that, bro. No chill is hard money. You make rock, paper, scissors, right? Easiest to you just select. You have a countdown and you select your, your choice. Um, and then the house takes 10% off the top. Right. So if you get it right, you get paid out, you know, one point nine for every one no chill. Um, if you tie, you only get point nine back. Right. And then if you lose, you just you, you lose a rock, paper, scissors. That would blow up. You could one v one people. In no rock, paper, fucking scissors. way. Okay, so no rock, way paper, is somebody going to do a coin flip with a 10 percent rate, bro. That's ridiculous. Yeah, 10 percent is ridiculous. You the, the highest I could see. Dude, what are you paying on all these social fly platforms, dude? No, 10 percent for a mass type thing like that wouldn't be. I feel like, be like 1 percent top. OK, 10 percent for the pores. If you're betting over two hundred dollars and it's then the percent gets cut down. No, like Rooster, you, you do it to where it's a small percent, right? Super small, maybe half percent where people are like, I think point one to half percent. Maybe you can lower the percentage by staking whatever token that you earn. Um, I think that would be where the Ponzinomics of the tokens come into play. But you play it and you earn points. Yes, which that's it. A token. So they are trading hard cash, which it would be like soul. You know, you earn points on vegan coin flip. If so you, didn't you get know. the coin, and in you know again in return, they either win X amount from the table of whoever their peer is or they lose it but either way they're generating some type of token and that token they can then come and claim and maybe stake it maybe That's earn rewards from that flip, or maybe you literally generate boost. points on vegan coin flip like that's legitimately uh it's not pvp um it's pv house but you can't really do pvp on uh on tails, only one person, or on on a coin flip, only one person. No, I thought about it. Like you actually can do PVP like that, and you want to know how? Same type of way. You rock paper scissors to see who goes first. So no, you have a pool, and you say, "Hey, we're going to do a coin flip." I, I've thought about the mechanics of like I, I have so many random ideas I've thought through over the years. So you have a pool, right? And this is what you're considering clearly, like they they do that flip once every hour, maybe, or once every. 10 minutes or 20 minutes. So you basically put it in and you know exactly how many people are on each side of it. And you just do the payout based on, you know, so like if there are 55% on tails, you probably want to put it on heads because you would get a better payout. So, you know, you wait and you aggregate it, you have a cutoff, then you do the flip and then you distribute based on what the percentages are. 
Yeah, but if you only take 0.1%, how are we going to distribute 0.1% of the rake to all of our wallets? <laughs> so the 0.1% in mass ends up keeping, I mean, like, there, there are ways to be able to scale this, right? So you distribute the, the rewards to a Okay, so we have two games then. We can we can coin flip well, and we can EP rock paper scissors. Right? Where snake is a really easy game to build out and you just play snake or something like that or 2048. You remember that game where you like double up the blocks. So you That's can my airplane like game. That. What's that? That's my airplane game. Yeah, so you you do different games like that that are really simple to build out, just classics that you know everybody already loves that don't really have like, you know, any type of that you can recreate without having any type of IP infringement <laughs> um, that you're really too concerned about. Um, and then people just degen on those because they're so simple yet so addictive. Then you generate the points, do whatever, the distribution later on. I mean, again, like simple enough, but like usually in crypto, the simpler it is, the better chance. Because if you try to produce, like, again, I do think that there are some opportunities and that some high end games will eventually really take off. Right. Like, I really do. I'm big believer in that. But they're much more difficult, um, much more capital intensive. So. You know, you start as small, build you build your way up. I just want to rock, paper, scissors people for wonky stonks. Is that too much to ask? It's a big live here on spaces. I, I, I want to 1v1 someone with a rock, paper, scissors for a wonky stonk. Well, I think the way you do that is so with this token, you end up eventually do, having like a literal arena type of setup where you then can basically with the contract, put up whatever you want to put up, play the game. And how do you end up paying for it with whatever the token is, you know, you have to put up X amount of token to be able to play the game and do it or something else like that. What about <laughs> you this? Why this don't down you create a two party predictions market on the floor price of wonky stonks where you bet the, the minimum bet is one wonky stonk and you have one <laughs> counterparty. I mean, Hey, they're like, that's kind of what HXRO does with their options markets, right? Because at that time, you're basically in that sense, Owen, you're creating an options market. Um, if you're betting on whatever the future, you know, price is at X date. Exactly. And I mean, you get a lot of whales who want to play in that, I would think, because they can do things too. No, yeah, because like 10, 10 ETH triples the floor of wonky stocks. So easily it would create volume manipulatable. It's a little evil, but it's, you know, it would do a thing. I mean, hey, you know, maybe you do that, right? You open it up to where you can make those type of speculations on different assets. And you almost list different assets the same way that you, uh, you list different coins on an exchange. So, I don't know, man. Like I said, I, as far as Ponzi nomic ideas <laughs> within this space i've got a million like a million billion dollar ideas that you know can get really 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 you know for the way that people do these ponzi's it's like i see them and i'm i just think to myself man if you really want to do a ponzi there are better ways to do the ponzi than what you're doing this right now um you know I, i've tried my hardest to 
stay away from doing Ponzi's. <laughs> but the people want Ponzi's. They do. About to start looking at Kaleo's Ponzi arc. <laughs> Dude, the scammers these days are some of the stupidest scammers. Like the Vitalik hacker, right? Tweeted at NF. Bro, what's stupid is the stupid motherfuckers who fall for the stupid scams. An NFT drainer. When he could have tweeted anything he wanted about Ethereum to either pump or dump massive, massive amounts, he tweeted an NFT drainer link. Like, you have that opportunity. And you probably did the most middle bell curve thing that you could have done. Like, with the least return. Hack was pretty recent. The SEC hack was pretty recent. That was a pretty that was, that was awful. Program. That was terribly executed. I thought about that one too. They had so many opportunities. What like would what you they have really done, should have really? done there is they should have picked <laughs> some mid cap coin and said, "Hey, this is an example of a token that we think is actually done the right way. That is not a security, and you oh, know, shit. for X Y Z reasons, here's why this is an example, and we've got other examples that are going to be coming out in the following weeks. So you just bet the table. High. This is the only that. coin endorsed by the SEC. Like yes. ICP. Like, and it can't be something like Bitcoin because that narrative is already there, and has to be something semi-believable. So you know, just pick pick like a random. I would say from the 20 to 30 range as far as total market cap that are sufficiently liquid and sufficiently recognizable that the average person would say, holy cow, this could actually be real, but it's probably not. And I think that you would have had a way higher and same with like the Vitalik thing. Like, Hey, if somebody hacks Vitalik and you go through it, you know how you would probably make the highest return. You just put in a contract address and you say, hey, here's a token that I've been working on a while. You have like a really BS, you create a website, right? Which this wouldn't take much work. Create a website, you know, create like a quick little uh, white paper, which you could do the white paper just via chat GPT. It doesn't have to be anything too legit and just say, hey, here's this project and here's what it's supposed to be. It's not there yet, but, you know, I wanted to share it. And then you have this LP that you've structured that you just rug after it runs up to like whatever mill. And right. Like that. Yeah. Instead, he got 20 board apes like you you have to you have to specify the hack to the user base of people that follow the people. Right. Like to be able to extrapolate the most amount of capital from this. I really hope there are no, you know, but motherfuckers taking notes. Yeah. Like I, I hope we don't have any just maniacal people that are sitting down here taking notes on all this stuff. And if we do break bread, like at least like finders fee or something. Yeah. Just if you actually, no joke, if you pull off one of these hacks, you know, put on chain in the comments. I learned how to do this from Wonky Weekly Alpha episode 103. Um, just that, like, that's all we need. You know, just shout it out right there. Kaleo, can I shill something which is related to points and requires no financial investment whatsoever? At this point, what do we have to lose? <laughs> There, there might be some ape listeners itchy to click a link down there, so you never know. 
Well, I have uh, I haven't like released the song on Spotify in over two years because I've just been like a pussy. Um, and like I tried doing some music NFP space like stuff in this space and I've gotten flamed by like everybody in the arena for it. Well, maybe not everybody, but a lot of people who are like, fucking music NFTs, just put that show up on Spotify, bro. Like, yeah, okay, I get it. So yeah, I'm I'm starting to throw stuff up on Spotify fast and furious. In my fucking pinned tweet, I have a pre-save link for my big socks and a bag of cock song. I'm going to be putting out that no-chill banger I wrote for Pythonomics and those guys uh, shortly after, probably like a week and a half later. Um, so yeah, um, how do points fit into all of this? If you go and pre-save it and, you know, DM me, you will get points in my book, which is a great way for uh, yield farmers to harvest some social capital. Um, so get your get your points, which are absolutely worthless. Um, but I'll think you're cool. That's that's kind of the that's the kicker. So just like Frontech. It's just like Frontech, yes. Hey, the the one thing I do have to shout out to Frontech, um, all well, apparently now only half the bots that I used, uh, they were all eligible for the Dimmy. Um, half of them were. The other half got wiped off. What bots? So, yeah, yeah. The, the the bot wallets, they were, I got like about 54 uh, DIM per Frentech wallet. Oh, you, you could get DIM for Frentech? Yeah, bro. It's the L2s, like Bay. Yeah, your Frentech wallet's eligible for DIM. Dude, I mean, I, I really if you... missed out on the Dimmy. I didn't realize what oh, all was eligible idiots. for it. I, I, I could have gotten a lot from that, probably. Dude, yeah, like they, I checked all my wallets um, and most of them were eligible. And then come claim day, only half of them ended up actually getting the drop, which was kind of unfortunate. But still, you know, I'm not going to sit here and complain about free monies. Not like the Jupiter people who fed their bags to zero uh, with reason, though. Well, I, I can take the opposite end of that coin. I will FUD dime until the end of time because they cut my allocation in half just because I claimed to the same EVM wallet. I was pissed. Womp womp. Yeah. Skill issue. Hey, you know what I'll, what I'll shill to the 40 people in here? I, I will shill Pythonomics no chill like that. I, I, I actually really do think that's going to keep going places. So, you know, for the 40... I guess realistically, thirty something people <laughs> that are in here. Like, you know, I, I I think it's going places too. Sounds like wonky meetup on Python. Hey, I got one last thing to show. Uh, today's the last day you can uh, get my book Kindle edition for free. So, um, and also be on the lookout in about two weeks, maybe three. Um, I'm dropping my first children's book, so it should be exciting. Let's go. Love that you're still riding, man. Um, all right, gents. Well, I do have to get going here in a bit. Uh, oh, yeah. Check out that song from Owen. It is kind of sick. Um, still waiting on the walkie stonk song, Owen. Still waiting on the stonk song. Hey, man, it's coming. Don't worry. I just all right. you know, I got to tease it for a while just to build up the uh, anticipation. The anticipation. All right. Um, well, with that, gents, it's been a fun one. 
Um, wonky stonks are inevitable. We'll be back next week. And hey, be on the lookout. I, I, I talked to Rooster. I want to get back into doing some spaces more regularly. So it may not be a stonk specific space, but DM'd him about setting up just doing a weekly space next week. You know, so be on the lookout for it. Um, I'm pretty sure you said daily or daily. Yeah, I mean, I, you know what I meant to say. Daily <laughs> already trying to dip out. I see. So daily space next week. Be on the lookout. We're gonna try to set something up with that. Uh, but yeah, love y'all, and we will see you guys next week. Cheers, everybody. Have a great rest of the weekend. Go Niners. Much love. <laughs>